This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all things romance, Landia. I'm Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on a balmy October 12th, 2023. It's a Thursday. It's balmy for me, not so much for Trisha. <laughs> yeah, it's like 60 degrees here, maybe. But it is sunny and beautiful and the leaves are changing, so, um. you know. And if you're listening to this and it's spring where you are, let us know. Send us pictures of your flowers. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yes, that is cool. I I remembered that there are parts of Arizona that have fall because I saw a TikTok of this street in Prescott that like does Halloween to the max. And it was like, they have, mm-hmm. they have orange leaves. I want orange leaves. Aww. I don't have orange leaves. I have mesquite trees and prickly pears. They're still green. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Orange leaves might be a thing you have to travel for, Jess. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I'll go to Prescott. We'll see. Maybe you can. That sounds great. (laughs) I support that. Well, while you are waiting for your leaves to turn orange, which unfortunately they probably never will, Mm -hmm. uh, how are things going? What are you reading? What's going on out there? Things are going great. I am keeping with the uh, the theme of the season, even if it is 80 degrees and green, uh, where I am, and reading a couple things that fall under the sort of haunted, dark and scary night type of things. Uh, so I started this book that a bunch of people on one of my discords were talking about. I realized I had it once upon a time in mass market, and then I gave away a lot of my mass markets and was very sad to discover that that was one of them when I decided I wanted to read this book. And it's called No Proper Lady by Isabel Cooper. And I've read her dragon books, and I loved them. I knew her name sounded familiar. I couldn't think of why. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Her dragon books are great. And this one is a time travel regency. Or maybe it's Victorian. Maybe it's mid-Victorian. I can't remember because I'm only a few chapters in. But so there is this woman who lives in our future in which something has like basically opened the veil And a whole bunch of demonic monsters have taken over the Earth's surface. But there's they found a way to send her back in time to kill the person who creates this problem. And she's she shows up in the 19th century, you know, covered in leather and scars and knives and sure (laughs) runs into Wait, just can I guess what happens? (laughs) Does she fall in love with the person who creates the problem? I don't think that's going to happen. Thank goodness. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, it was a fair guess, I feel like. It was a fair guess. But instead, she is found by that person's best friend. Mm. 
who fears the direction that that person is going into. So got it. Fair. Like I like I said, I haven't gotten very far, but it's like there there is going to have to be some presentation of being a lady of means of some sort. And it looks like it's just going to turn out so great. Um, And I can't wait to keep going with that. Um, And that was No Proper Lady by Isabel Cooper. Read her dragon books in all of the generations. Um, And then I decided to start listening to Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. Um, somebody mentioned that it was, it leaned very heavily in the historical romance area, whereas her last book sort of had a little bit of the essence of romance, but was more of a horror. And this one has like horror elements and it's still spooky. Um, but the core of the story is very historical romance. So, I'm really excited for that one. Um, it's set in what was then still Mexico along the edge of Texas at the beginning of the the war, not the Civil War. <laughs> what is it called? The, the Sp- no, it's not the Spanish-American War either. Is it the Mexican War? I don't know. The one where Texas decided that they were going to or maybe the United States decided that they were going to take over more of Mexico. And I don't know. Yeah, it feels more likely. Yeah. yeah so it, it's in that set in that time period. And I don't know that there are actual like vampire vampires, because so far, the vampires of El Norte referenced have actually just been Anglos who have been trying to leech off of the Mexicans land but there are weird creatures one of which attacks one of the main characters when she's a child and the other one thinks that she died so he runs away for a decade and i just got to the point where he's been called back to help fight the anglos and realizes that she's alive and has like a meltdown so that's as far as i've gotten (laughs) in the in the book yeah that's a lot I am very excited to continue with that. The audiobook is great and the story is very, very enrapturing and I'm glad that I started it. But that's enough about me. What are you reading right now? <laughs> I mean, I nothing with vampires or time travel. And so now I feel like this is going to be a real disappointment, but it actually won't be because... So I am reading... I just today finished the third book in what is called the Lords of the Armory series by Anna Harrington. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few folks heard my call for help when I was asking for a series that I could drop all the way into. And this is one of the recommendations I got from a good friend. I also heard from Faith and Angel. And so I, I've got more that I can... I'm sure we'll be talking about soon, but this one is a series of books about, and this is kind of a content warning, because I think especially right now, this will not be a good fit for a lot of people, but it is about, we are in Regency is like 1817. That's Regency, Mm -hmm. right? Not Victoria. Yeah, Victoria wasn't queen till later. I'm getting better. (laughs) Um, There are no trains. (laughs) So... We are in Regency England, and most of the male main characters, so far this book is all male main character and female main character books. The male main characters are all people who fought in the Napoleonic Wars Mm -hmm. and have come back and are sort of tied together by that experience and by the relationship they 
that they built in that time. So as I mentioned, this is kind of a content warning. If particularly right now, reading about people who are dealing with PTSD or past experiences of war Mm -hmm. uh, is not for you, then maybe set this one aside, at least for now, maybe forever. But it's a series where it's interesting because like most of the male main characters are dealing with that. Almost all of the female main characters so far have had some sort of like social justice-y kind of cause. Mm -hmm. In one of the series, the woman helps mostly women who have been uh, victims of domestic violence escape those marriages. Another one is employing war widows. An Extraordinary Lord, which is the one I mentioned that I just finished, the female main character is sort of like a Robin Hood character. Um, She has had to flee her home country of Portugal. She um, has found herself in a situation where she's like living in like the bad neighborhoods of London, like in the rookeries and helping all of the people kind of survive there. And she actually meets the male main character when they get into a sword fight in an alley. You know how it goes. So anyway, it is a series. I do think these books, maybe more than some, could be read independently. But as usual, there is more of a payoff if you read them all. So you can start with An Inconvenient Duke. But I have been enjoying these books, I think, even more and more with each one that I read. And so, yeah, that's the Lords of Armory series by Anna Harrington. So I, Anna Harrington was not even on my radar until this friend happened to recommend her. So that worked out great. You know, that one is on my shelf, but it's good to know that you recommend reading them in order. Um, I think that one someone recommended to me, and I came across it when I was in a bookstore and ended up picking it up. I think as like a superhero adjacent or vaguely retelling mm-hmm. style uh, book. So I'm I'm glad to know that it it delivers. Yeah, and you you genuinely could read it alone. It's like any more so like on the spectrum of books that completely stand alone versus books that like you'll be lost without mm-hmm. having read the previous ones in the series. It's closer to the standalone side of that spectrum. It's just kind of like that the payoff is different if you've read the other books. But I think there would still be plenty of payoff if you wanted to just start with an extraordinary lord. Gotcha. So now we know. Now we know. All right, before we get into more topics and before we get into our Book Riot promo discussion of the day, why don't we take a quick break and we can jump back in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Jess, I'm going to let you talk about TBR. All right. Well, as we mentioned, autumn is here, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, which means it's time to curl up with a great read and get cozy, whatever your version of cozy might look like. It could be romance, creepy reads, modern classics. 
escapist reads you crave. Any of those, TPR can help you find the perfect books for your fall reading with options curated to your specific reading tastes. So you can visit mytbr.co to find out more and to sign up. And it only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. And when in romance listeners, I gotta say, you definitely want to check this out because there's some good stuff happening for people who read romance right now. Yes. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you'll find out. Ooh, the suspense. All right. Check out mytbr.co. Awesome. Okay, one other quick thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention before the break. We talked a little bit about, in our last episode, about books that happen to be about losing someone's magic just to sort of find it again. It was related to What the Hex, which I talked a little bit about by Alexis Daria in the last episode. Mm -hmm. We did hear from Phoenix, who mentioned that Angelina M. Lopez's new book, Full Moon Over Freedom, which, if that name sounds familiar, it's because we read the first book in the series Mm -hmm. uh, for our book club earlier this year. I had actually just bought Full Moon Over Freedom, so now I'm even more excited to get to it, because Phoenix mentioned that it is a similar style. So if you are looking for books about losing one's magic, just to find it again as a part of the book, that's one to keep in mind. We are fans of that series and that author. Absolutely, we are. And I neglected to recover the name of the book that I was talking about, but I promised to actually give it to Trisha when I find it this time so that it can go in the show notes. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so for our first kind of discussion today, Jess, I want I mentioned to you that it might be kind of interesting to talk a little bit about a topic that we discussed, I oh gosh, I think it's been probably a couple of years now. Maybe. Because I'm thinking Ice Planet Barbarians. I'm also picturing myself discussing it in my last apartment and I've now lived here for a year and a half, so <laughs> I think it's been a minute. And I also think that the the topic has shifted and changed a little bit, and the discussion has shifted and changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the, the discussion we're going to have is about books that were previously self-published or independently published and that are now being republished by large traditional authors. I think that this is happening across genres, but it feels like it is particularly the case that it's happening with romances, that someone either has a lot of success with a new series, and then the traditional publisher goes back to their backlist and is republishing some of those books. Mm-hmm. I think that's one case where this happens. I think also sometimes a book starts to get really big on social media, and let's be honest, specifically TikTok. Mm-hmm. And a publisher feels like they can expand the reach of that book. Um, So that's one of the cases where it's happening. And I think when we talked about it, you know, Ice Planet Barbarians was one of the big things that we talked about when we first started talking about it. We talked about Bloom Books, which I feel like this is this is kind of their thing. Like this is basically what they do, if I'm not mistaken, is that they pick up on either authors or books that have been big in other areas and they sort of pick those up. And I think we're starting to see what that actually looks like after that model has gotten established in the bookish romance world. Just by way of kind of table setting, Jess, is there anything that you would add? Am I kind of, just by kind of for context or 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 just how you feel about it? Any thoughts? 
I mean, yeah, like, I don't know much about what other other genres are doing because I'm pretty firmly established in romance, whereas I'm not in other places. And, you know, we might talk about something like Check, Please, which was originally a webcomic, which then was printed by the author, which then was picked up by First Second, which then came out that way. But First Second isn't like Bloom Books, where they really did firmly establish themselves as the imprint that picks up authors who already have an established audience and an established collection of books that they can take and republish and maybe continue with that author going forward. But they don't have anybody's debut, right? Mm-hmm. They they really want people who have found those those established avenues of interest and all of that. Um, it's really interesting to look at Bloom Books compared to the other publishers who are starting to do this more. Berkeley's doing it. Avon's doing it. I think St. Martin might be doing it too. But seeing how they differ in their methods of doing it. Bloom will very often pick something up, maybe go through some copy edits and republish something either with the same cover or with a more like discreet cover, right? Oh, yeah. But if you talk about Ice Planet Barbarians, like they went through and took out complete sections, added new sections. They did a lot of work to really reproduce something brand new that people would say, I need to read that one because I don't know what's going to be different. And I don't know if like Avon's doing that because I haven't picked up any of the ones that they have done so far. But I know that everybody has sort of their own method of doing this practice. But I think Bloom was really the first one to say, you know what, what if we did this? Because I can't say that I saw it happen very much before. Well, and I think Bloom has sort of an interesting model in that in some cases, they are taking indie published titles and republishing them. You know, I was noticing, I couldn't remember for sure, but I double checked today. It's Bloom that is actually republishing Kennedy Ryan's basketball series, Long Shot, Block Shot, Hook Shot. And that is absolutely an example of a series that did very, very well and had a lot of buzz behind it, even when it was self-published. But they also most recently published... I can't remember if I mentioned that I recently read the Lucy Score trilogy mm-hmm. that starts with Things We Never Got Over. Yeah. And I had thought those books were self-published because they are very long, and I thought maybe they had not been fully edited. Mm-hmm. That might just be me. A lot of people might be really into, like, the 650 pages or whatever it is. Yeah. But I, Lucy Score had a backlist, and it may be the case that her first in that series, Things We Never Got Over, was not published initially by Bloom, but I kind of think it was just based on the similarity of the covers. I I couldn't say for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think, like I said, one of the things that they have done is both look for titles that have been really successful, but also look for authors that Mm -hmm. have been successful independently and bring them in, which is not entirely unique. You know, certainly other publishers have done that. There are a lot of hybrid authors that we've talked about on this podcast Talia Hibbert actually comes to mind as one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just, it seems like 
this has been a little different. Like it's a little bit of a different approach. And I'm wondering just, you know, like we mentioned, it's gotten a lot more common, at least in romance in the last couple of years. Why do you think that is? Like, who is this for? There's, you know, there's an argument that it could be for a lot of different groups. Because like the big thing about going from self-publishing to being within a publishing house is distribution, right? Sure. So, you know, I, my day job is working as a collection development person, librarian, and there are so many self-published books that are really hard to get if you don't have the right vendor or if you can't buy it directly from Amazon. But Mm -hmm. if you have a book that was self-published and then Bloom picks it up, then you can get it from the bigger vendors. Then Barnes & Noble can get it from the biggest vendors. Then Target can get it from the biggest vendors. Mm -hmm. And suddenly that life that it had on TikTok from people that were willing to buy things off of Amazon that could afford to buy things off of Amazon is now living it up in places like Target, which has discounts like Costco, like libraries. So that's a huge thing that I think a lot of people who started out self-publishing and realized that they could go into someplace like Bloom or Berkeley or Avon with the same material without having to do any more work. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. That there was no no downside to it. And then, you know, we we as consumers, as readers got to, you know, say, oh, I have the original cover of long shot, but also look at this gorgeous cover from Bloom. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I could never find a print version of that Mariana Zapata book, but now Avon has made it and it's in a cute cover. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah. there's there's all these things now where publishers are doing it because it's easy money mm-hmm. and authors are doing it because why not? They des- they deserve to make more money off of their books. Yeah. And uh, TikTok and other general readers are, pick- are picking them up and eating it up. So... You know, I totally understand why that model continues to work. I'm just afraid that it's now going to be an expectation that you have to like basically create a foundation on your own without a marketing Mm -hmm. team, without any of that before you can actually take advantage of traditional publishing. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting point that you make about kind of a broader distribution because One of the things that I saw when I was kind of like poking around a little bit to understand this process a little bit better, one of the things that I saw that people said was that this only happens with a very small percentage of books Mm -hmm. because it's difficult for a publisher to find a book that has both been successful enough to warrant this kind of redistribution, but also has not exhausted its audience base, Mm. right? And so I think the point that you make about the fact that if something was indie published on Amazon, which a lot of stuff is, that tends to be the major platform where people go, and it, it you know catches fire on Amazon, there may still be a 
library distribution, a Barnes & Noble, Target, and Costco are great points because I've seen a lot of these books at Target and Costco, Mm -hmm. that that that's a whole new and different avenue. I think, too, though, one of the things that – I don't know if we talked about this when we talked about this before, but it did seem like there was also potential – for at least some marginalized authors, people who are writing about audiences that are not always highlighted to, unfortunately, like you said, have to do the work ahead of time. But those who have proven themselves, people like Kennedy Ryan, frankly, Mm -hmm. to be able to have these opportunities. And I think one of the things that's brought this conversation to the forefront in the last month or two is the fact that it's not always the people who are marginalized and aren't getting the traditionally published opportunities that are getting these new opportunities. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's the same people, the same kind of people mm-hmm. who are getting the traditional public publishing opportunities. And one of the things that kind of brought that to the forefront is Berkeley made the decision to pick up an independently published couple of books by, I think it's Liz Tom Ford. I'm not sure if that's exactly how she pronounces her last name, mm-hmm. but that is what it looks like. And they are, my understanding is that she is a white author Mm -hmm. who at least some of the main characters in the books that Berkeley has picked up are women of color. And there was some real pushback, I think, appropriately on social media when that news broke out because it would have been just as easy for Berkeley or any other publisher to find a writer of color who is writing from an authentic experience. Mm -hmm. And that is not what they did. So I think the way that this is playing out is also starting to look a little bit messier and kind of grimmer, frankly, than we might have hoped it would be when it first started happening. Yeah. And Liz Tom Ford's books, I haven't read them. But even just based on the covers that Berkeley has released, it's not just women of color. A couple of the books have couples of color. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of authors who look like me, who have my experience, that are writing books that could have just as easily been picked up. There are so many amazing independently published Black authors, yeah. <laughs> Latina authors, like Asian American mm-hmm. authors, Asian Canadian authors. Indigenous authors. Yeah, absolutely. That could have been picked up in a way that shows that Berkeley is interested in more than the bottom line. And I will I will be transparent and remind people that Berkeley is my publisher. Mm-hmm. So this might be a complicated conversation. But I know that they picked up my book, which is the only nonfiction book that they've published in a while. And it's written completely by Black people. I know that they did that with a certain amount of faith. But where did that mm-hmm. faith go? Yeah. Like, have they reached out to other authors who then said no, that they wanted to hold on to their own books? Or did they see this very popular book and say, we can make a cartoon cover with Black people on it, or a mixed race person and a Black person, or a brown person and a white person, or, you know, whatever combination. And it doesn't matter who wrote it. Because people will buy it because they're interested in diversity, but they're not. It doesn't have to be an authentic experience. So, you know, you have to wonder if any of these imprints who are looking at self-published books and thinking, 
if we bring in that author, we will bring in their audience. Are Have they been talking to Christina C. Jones? Have they been talking to Alexandria House? Have they? Well, yeah. they have been talking to yeah. Brittany Cherry, because I think somebody is publishing a Brittany Cherry book, but it's the one with the white man on the cover. So I have no idea um, <laughs> what the characters in that book look like. But, you know... Like you were saying, like, who really, who really does benefit from this? Because right now it's the same, like, 15 white authors and Scarlett St. Clair, who is indigenous, and Kennedy Ryan, Mm -hmm. who is black. But the fact that we can name the people who are not white, um, and they probably can go into a handful, then if they're, if this model is going to continue to be prominent in romance publishing, then somebody needs to do something about broadening the scope. Yeah. I will say too, I think, and I'm not trying to like subtweet on the podcast. Like I, <laughs> that's not the right term, but this is all I've got. I'm not trying to like presume anything. I do think it's sort of interesting that when these books were originally published, I'm back to the Liz Tomford books. Mm-hmm. They did not have people on the cover at all. They had skyline covers. Berkeley has very clearly made the decision to put people on the covers. And it is a series of five, or will be a series of five. I don't believe all five of them are out yet. Berkeley has picked up two. Mm. So I think it's interesting to, I don't know, I just find both of those two things interesting. And I will leave it at that. And the other thing that's interesting about that is if we go across the hall to Bloom, Kennedy Ryan's books had people on them. Yeah, yeah. Kennedy Ryan's books do not have people on them anymore. At least the one, the long shot, et cetera, those books, um, because her traditionally published, that started out traditionally published books before I let go. And the one that's coming out next year do have people on the cover and they're gorgeous covers. Um, and the long shot series is very pretty, but it does not mm-hmm. have the people on it that it once did. And neither does the Kingmaker. Nope. Or the Rebel King. And I'm not sure, Jess. I, I'm looking at Bloom Books' Kennedy Ryan page. I don't think that they published before I let go. Because it's not on their... No, that, yeah, that's what I mean. They're, that was... I can't remember the publisher. It's St. Martin or or one of them. that She, she didn't self-publish that one. She went directly through a publisher. I just can't remember the name, which one it was. <laughs> yeah, which is fair. But no, it is an interesting observation that, like, Berkeley went one way, Bloom went another way, and it's all very complicated. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? I, you know, I think we're just kind of keeping an eye on this and seeing what it looks like, how it's going, how it's not going, who's benefiting. I don't know if at this point if we can even say whether it's good or not good for readers with any sort of distinct kind of like black and white clarity, I think. It's sort of ambiguous. Yeah. But any other thoughts that you want to mention on that before we take another break? I think that this is this is something that is going to continue because capitalism is a thing that exists. And honestly, all of the authors who are benefiting from this, they deserve. Go them. But I do think it is making a disproportionate balance as far as yeah. the people who are getting huge sales who are getting this distribution who are being seen in all of these places um versus equally talented equally 
deserving authors who are not finding their way into this. And of course, this can all, this is all like part of the TikTok algorithm too, right? Like there are so many people we always talk about like, well, why aren't these people on uh, like famous, popular on TikTok? Because somebody has to get them to that place. But that animal is feeding into a different kind of beast. <laughs> so like I could ramble on about it, but I think that's all I'm going to say. Nope, I think that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, we'll just pause for now and then probably pick this conversation up again. Mm-hmm. Something tells me it won't be two years, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a quick break and then we're going to talk about banging in the night. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, Jess, we have got some wrecks and you uh, had the inspired idea of where they came from. So I will let you jump in and let us know. Yes. So. Beth and Jackie of the who are popular readers on the various socials and who sort of coordinate the but do they bang discord have been putting out several different bingos and uh, you might remember I have really gotten into reading bingo over the past couple of years and this one is the Bang in the Night 3 uh, something boogaloo. I can't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> All I found was Bang in the Night. I didn't even know there was like a whole uh, subtitle. I'll have to look for it. I, I don't remember. Like I should remember because it was very, it was very clever, but I don't because it's late. But so, you know, this is a, a bingo that's very based on sort of the October atmosphere and lots of paranormal options for the most part but also you can throw in some fantasy you can throw in some anything else as long as it sort of fits what you think each space on the board means so that's always fun for helping someone get through their reading list when their reading list is several thousand books long um yeah so I thought if anyone is interested in joining Bang in the Night, or if you have already started Bang in the Night, but need a couple of recommendations, that this would be a great place to, to help pe- get people started. And if you don't want to do Bang in the Night, you just get some great Halloween books to read. Exactly. I think that sounds great. And these are like, they're super fun categories. Mm-hmm. The Devil You Know, which is a book with the devil in the title, or Second Chance Romance uh, is a fun one. They've got The Truth Is Out There, which is an aliens category. I will make sure that I link to one of the bingo boards in the um, show notes so that you can find them. And we have, uh, we've got some recs. So I will actually, after having made you explain that all, Jess, I will actually <laughs> kick us off. Yes. So there is one square that is BIPOC romance, which I think is super easy anyone listening to the show will have no trouble filling that square (laughs) but i wanted to give you a recommendation for a a book by a black author that is also sort of like ghoulish and creepy and that is one by an author we talk a ton about but a book that we don't talk a ton about and that's better off read by rebecca weatherspoon Mm. this book is uh the first in her vampire sorority sisters series So you've got three books there that actually all would meet this category and fit this category. It's essentially the book of a uh, first-year college student who is not super interested in sororities. But when they're doing that fair, if you have gone to 
college, you are probably familiar with it. Like the first week of school, they do that fair where there's like all the clubs. And I went to a school that did not have sororities and fraternities, but apparently sororities and fraternities, like all, they feel like the green space, whatever you call it, (laughs) the green, the mall, the yard, like whatever. It has a different name at every school, which is very dumb. (laughs) The quad. (laughs) Yes, the quad. Thank you. Yes. They actually at the university near where I live, they call it Red Square, which it is a very liberal university. You can probably imagine. <laughs> um, so they they have all these. Anyway, regardless of what you call the green space, they've got all these um, sororities and fraternities there. And she's not um, Ginger is the main, one of the main characters. She's not super interested. But then she comes across the girls of Alpha, Beta, Omega. Please notice the letters there are A, B, and O. (laughs) And they're super beautiful. They're super, like, interesting and exciting. There's just something very compelling about them. And so she starts to kind of explore what this particular sorority might be about. And as it turns out, it is about vampires. They are all vampires. And they are, (laughs) you know, dealing with all the vampire things. You know, it's a whole situation. Um, There's a lot of backstory. There's demons. There's a whole thing. It is a... Very sexy romance. If I am, I I would say it's pro. It's not erotica, but it may well. It's been a minute since I've read it, but I would say it's probably erotic romance. Mm-hmm. It's very steamy. It's very fun, and yeah, if you're looking for a Octobery kind of spooky read, particularly by really any author, but if you're looking at your BIPOC bingo Squarespace, I would recommend Better Off Red by Rebecca Witherspoon. Awesome. I just finished a book last night that I loved exponentially and like disproportionately. Um, and sure. that was Haunted Hookup by Eliza McLean. And I will be once again transparent and tell you that she and I are IRL friends. Aww. But that does not take away from the fact that this is like, besides like a few like, typos here and there from you know missing a proofread before throwing it up online this book is fantastic and it's one that trisha would hate because it's in present tense listen it's first person present actually that i could deal with believe it or not oh, i can handle that yeah i don't know what the difference is between first and third but it is everything so i now i will have to look for it oh all right um, the, and this book was just published a couple of days ago as of recording this, so it falls into the published in October square, but it's also set in a haunted house and starts on Halloween. So you have, oh, and it opens with a, a costume party. So you have several places that you can put this on the board if you need to fill in some spaces. So basically, we have Alice, who is obsessed with this haunted house and the lore behind it. it. She grew up, you know, maybe 20 miles away and has always wanted to know more about this house to the point where she actually contacted the house's current owners for information and all of that. And they invite her to be sort of the guest of honor at this like haunted, like, what do they call it? I can't remember. It's like a fright festival that they have where three nights um, people stay in the house and enjoy the haunted experience. And since she knows all about the person who would be haunting 
the place if haunting was real. She is invited. And another person who decides to come is Dominic, who um, is a journalist who, for himself, intends to write about how haunted houses aren't real. (laughs) So, of course, they have to have been college acquaintances. Well, in her mind, he's an acquaintance who got to see every time she faltered. In his mind, she was a pretty good friend who he wished he'd had a chance with, but she was dating his roommate. I mean, we've all been there, right? In a haunted house with the person who's been dating your roommate. (laughs) Yeah. So luckily, this is a while later. She's no longer dating his roommate. Oh, thank goodness. And they have a moment in their costumes across the library of the haunted house and things go from there and our our friend ruby who ironically has the same name as another ghost that i intend to be talking about shortly plays a little bit of matchmaker but you have to read the book to see how that all works and that's haunted hookup by eliza mclean i used it for published in october but you can use it for a lot of things Yeah, that's a lot of options. I appreciate that. (laughs) I will say my next book is probably fewer options because it is not really a Halloween-y or kind of horror-y kind of a book. It's actually a delight. Uh, But (laughs) Orange on the Cover is one of the options. And the first book that jumped to mind is a book I read a few months ago called Single Dads Club by Teresa Bahari. And I think one of the reasons that this cover stuck out to me is because it's really beautiful. It's the two main characters, and behind them is like a sunset happening. They book The book is set in a small town in South Africa. Tres Bahari lives in South Africa, and she sets her books there. And it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things about her books is that it's a different kind of a setting. I mean, in a lot of ways, it feels exactly the same as anywhere else, but it also mm-hmm. – it's just interesting to, like, read a book set in a different place. I may have talked about this book before. It's it's pretty straightforward. It's um a man who uh, ended up with a baby, sort of unexpectedly, who is living with the mom but not romantically engaged with the mom of this baby. Mm-hmm. They move to the small town so that they can get his grandmother's support. And he meets a young uh, barista who is kind of hiding some secrets of her own, just trying to be a huge, you know, boon to the community. She's like super involved in a lot of things because she's trying to kind of do penance for what she thinks are maybe some mistakes that she may have made earlier in her life. So they're both coming Mm -hmm. into this with a lot of baggage. And it is a, for me, it was a surprise to be so enraptured by this book that is very character driven. As I've talked about before, I'm very much a plot person. And um, this one certainly has a good, strong plot, but it is a little bit more of a slow burn. Mm. I liked a lot of the secondary characters. This is very much, you can tell, the first book in a series where they're setting up a variety of single dads. And, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of support in it and a lot of family and community, which I really love. And there's orange on the cover. So that's Single Dads Club by Therese Bahari. Awesome. So I mentioned the ghost Ruby and... I am not going to talk at length about this book because I'm pretty sure I have spoken about it at least once before on this podcast. And that is The Tenant by Katrina Jackson. I think it would work very well for a hashtag bang in the night. Um, but also, uh, yeah. like Trisha mentioned, BIPOC romance, there's a ghost one, there's a squad ghouls one, there's 
there's all kinds of places that you can drop this on the board. So I wanted to just make sure that folks knew that it existed because it is an absolutely fantastic ghost romance. And this one is an actual ghost romance. The main character is Noel and he inherits a house. That house happens to be haunted by Ruby and she doesn't want company, but they figure it out and some kind of way end up in a relationship. But to figure that out, you got to read the book because it's great how that all happens. Um, And that's The Tenant by Katrina Jackson for hashtag bang in the night, which I think is the first square. Yeah, you have like a variety of options on that one, including a box called Spirit Meets the Bone, which is kind of a funny square, but it refers to ghosts. And mm-hmm. Jessica P. Pride, you know that I was not going to see a ghost square on this bingo board and not recommend <laughs> a book by Diana Biller. Of course not. Like, it just, you would, like, you would have to be concerned about my body and whether or not I was possessed if I ignored uh, an opportunity to mention Diana Biller, which is, who is one of my favorite authors and whose books I just absolutely adore. I will say, I'm not going to talk about Widow of Rose House, even though that also has ghosts. You could read it for this square as well. <laughs> but I recently wrote a book, a piece for Book Riot um, about grief and romance. And one of the books I talked about is The Brightest Star in Paris, which features a ballet dancer who is being haunted and the a doctor who is the brother of the main character in Widow of Rose House, who they had actually had a connection a decade before he was in a really difficult place dealing with the trauma and aftermath of war. And she was able to be supportive of him. 10 years later, it's her who's actually dealing with trauma and aftermath. And he is trying to support her in the same way and is finding it very difficult. And also there are ghosts. Uh, And it's just like, I think a really lovely book about grief and processing grief and how we can show up for each other and how, Sometimes the ways that we want to show up for each other are not enough. And that's just kind of the reality that there are pieces of trauma that we have to kind of navigate for ourselves with the support of the people that we love. And I just felt like the way that this book, I mean, obviously the ghosts are amazing and any potential (laughs) abilities to get to see the more family in action make my day. But I also just felt like the really sort of gentle but real and painful way that this book deals with grief is also just really beautiful. So that is The Brightest Star in Paris by Diana Biller. It's not super steamy, so you probably need to use like one of the ghost squares for it, but it'll be worth it. It's a good fit. That's great. That's lovely. I love I love your description of that. I still haven't read that one. Um, and interestingly, I think all of Diana Biller's books could fit on this square because I think the Hotel of Secrets also has orange on the cover. Oh, maybe, maybe. So yeah, just go, go ham with Diana Biller. <laughs> yes, there's definitely some banging in that book. So if nothing else, you got that covered. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, you got one more pick for us, Jess. Sure. Um, this is also one that I think I've talked about, but I haven't I haven't mentioned in a while. Um, and that is The Wolf of Wall Street by Lucy Eden, which works for both the BIPOC square and Howlin' for You, which is the Shifters square. Oh, good call. I love this book. <laughs> it's one of my favorites of hers. And it's like sort of a Beauty and the Beast retelling with you know, a a reclusive billionaire who lives in his tower. He works and 
goes home and works and goes home. And the woman who becomes his assistant, who is, of course, the best assistant he's ever had, but they start off antagonistically, so they continue that way as well. Of course. So (laughs) it is a delightful book. It's not the first in the series. The first is Bear With Me, which is also incredibly cute if you want to, if you like feel like you have to start from the beginning, but they, they don't have to be read together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've read Wolf of Wall Street, but not Bear With Me. And I did not have any issues. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend checking that one out for your Howlin' For You category or any other place you'd like to put it on the board because this is very much an if you squint kind of board. (laughs) Yeah, that's the great thing about it. Like, honestly, there's so much flexibility. It's just kind of like Mm -hmm. a lot of the board is vibes, which I really like, you know? Yeah. I appreciate having some guidance, but not feeling penned in by it. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks to uh, the creators of this. Yes. We're super excited. I've actually met Beth. She's lovely. We is, yeah, we are lucky to have folks like these ones in our, in our larger Romancelandia community, I think. We really are. All right. And we are also lucky to have all of you in our larger romance community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sending us your suggestions and recommendations. I am working my way through all mm-hmm. of your giant sets of series to get lost in so thank you for that a huge 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 thanks to our wonderful magical amazing fantastic audio editor jen zinc Mm -hmm. and please rate and review the podcast we would love for you other folks to be able to find it speaking of finding things you can find us on social media i'm on instagram and blue sky believe it or not which i think is starting to tick up a little bit jess i think Yeah, yeah people might be moving to blue sky from Twitter slash X slash whatever that garbage fire is called these days. Uh, I'm on both at Trisha Haley Brown. And Jess, you are out in the world as well. I am. I remain on the trash fire uh, because I can't let it go. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to. uh, Uh, (laughs) Didn't mean to throw shade. It's a it's a trash fire. I just I can't like stop hitting the X True. when I open my phone. Like it just happens. Um, I'm there at Jess's reading all one word. I'm on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. I too am on blue sky. That is Jess's reading all one word. And I am on TikTok at Jess underscore is reading. And I think that's everything. All right. You can also find us, as always, at WhenInRomance at BookRiot.com. We're sometimes a little slow to respond, but we get there eventually. So don't hesitate to keep bothering us. <laughs> um, and we do genuinely love to hear from you, and we love your book recommendations. Let us know what you're thinking about this traditional publishers picking up indie book stuff. Let us know what your bang-in-the-night recs and reads are. Let us just know what you're reading and what your fall-slash-spring vibes are like. And, of course, happy reading. Happy reading.